Hello everyone! Quick announcement before we begin our episode. The most prestigious awards in the parks industry are here. World Urban Parks encourages and recognizes significant contributions made by individuals and parks to cities, open spaces, and communities with these prestigious international awards. You can apply for an individual award, which recognizes the people that make parks just so magical, or for a large urban park award, which recognizes the value large parks bring to the cities they serve. Award submissions are open until September 10th, so what are you waiting for? Visit worldurbanparks.org and go to the awards section for more information and apply today. What is the role of parks in community building and how can parks become active agents for the neighborhoods they inhabit? This week on Pod Parks, we are joined by Trust for Public Land and Welcoming America to discuss TPL's groundbreaking new report, The Common Ground Framework. In a time where the world feels incredibly polarized, the Common Ground Framework offers strategies for parks to empower communities around the world. I'm Alice Landon, and this is Pod Parks. Pod Parks, the podcast for the park-minded, brought to you by World Urban Parks. Welcome to Pod Parks. Today we are joined by Carrie Simmons, Director of Community Strategies at Trust for Public Land, as well as Daniel Valdez, Chief External Affairs Officer at Welcoming America. Daniel, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. We are so excited to have Trust for Public Land TPL back with more groundbreaking work in the world of parks. And we're excited to be sharing the space with Welcoming America for the first time as well. So let's let's get straight into it. First, I want to congratulate you both on the report that we'll be talking about today. It is a groundbreaking approach to such a complex and important issue of our time, which is the social aspects of, of parks. So a couple of weeks ago, you released a groundbreaking new report called The Common Ground Framework. Um, which talks, again, about the crucial social role of parks to empower communities around the United States and around the globe. So to start us off, could you walk us through this report? Yes, and thank you so much for having us. We're thrilled to be able to release the Common Ground Framework because it really delves into the role that parks play for our social fabric and What the content of the report really underscores for our readers is the value of our parks, not just as accessible amenities for communities, but as spaces that actually allow for community building, especially community building across diverse backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures. And, you know, it's the the capacity of parks to serve this purpose in a community is not just about forging new friendships or sort of amicable relationships with neighbors. It's really about recognizing for the first time in a a big formal way the profound value of the community building itself. And what I mean by that is that parks really play a natural role and serve as containers for community building as physical spaces for people to come together and embedded in all the sort of normal processes around 
community engagement, design, stewardship. There are these ideal spaces for decision making, for collective vision setting, for communities to make decisions together and to navigate the issues of sharing perspectives, of considering different opinions and working through community priorities together. So those kinds of interactions aren't just feel-good interactions. Those kinds of relationships that you build through cooperative decision-making really help to foster a sense of resilience, a sense of interconnectedness. And when communities have that, they're better positioned to be able to weather challenges that they may face in the future. Now, as you mentioned, this report does something that I, I haven't really seen that much before, which is this importance of parks as social infrastructure for community empowerment, for community um, building across ethnicities, across different backgrounds. And it, and of course, it goes into the importance of community empowerment for resilience, for facing the problems of our time, which are, at the end of the day, social and community problems, right? So how can parks intentionally work towards this goal, towards cultivating their community, towards empowering communities beyond just, as you say, planning a pretty park? And I would add a, a second layer maybe for Daniel. What is the importance of highlighting not only community empowerment, but also diversity of, of park users? Mm -hmm. I love that question. You know, I think that when the average person thinks about their local park, they likely think about a place to exercise, about a place where they take their kids to the playground, typically the really you know, physical active components of a public space that lead to phys physical activity and exercise. And what's really special about the common ground framework and also the approach that the Trust for Public Land takes in really involving community from the beginning is a recognition that when the community really leads decision-making and when you can deliberately foster a sense of community by creating spaces that encourage interactions through the amenities and sort of the design features that exist within the park, it can lead to shared experiences and a sense of belonging. And when parks are created and designed in that way, and when local community leaders do more than just provide passive feedback, but when they build a sense of ownership and agency um, over the space itself, that's really when a park can serve as, as real and credible social infrastructure. And that's when parks can begin to serve as laboratories where, you know, coexistence is happening every day, where it's practiced as just a normal part of neighborhood behavior. And those kinds of social interactions where you're connected to people who live in the same community you are. Um, that's when empathy is nurtured, when mutual understanding is developed. And there aren't too many places in civil society today where we actually share space that belongs to all of us and where we can build belonging out in public. And um, Alice, thank you for, for having us today here. Welcoming America is really uh, proud to, to partner with TPL. Um, on this work, and we're really excited to see 
organizations like Trust for Public Land thinking about um, how they can work with um, park departments uh, in local communities to think about issues around social cohesion and belonging. You know, at Welcoming America, we are support local communities in building a welcoming society where every person, including immigrants, uh, can fully contribute right to the shared prosperity of that community. And, um, and through our welcoming network, we provide support and capacity building uh, to, um, to municipalities, city and county governments, as well as nonprofit organizations. Um, and we know that in order for this work to be endemic across the community, um, it's important to uh, bring in um, different actors. And I think there's a, a natural uh, affinity there with uh, parks and recreation departments in particular, because they can serve as, as a framework outlines, right, uh, spaces where uh, you can create community relationships, you can help foster a community identity and strengthen that through uh, a co-creation process and an engagement and outreach process that allows for people to feel like they belong in this community and by extension create community power. And I think all of those things are laid out in that framework and that document very clearly. Um, and I think for us at Welcoming America, um, we know that creating a welcoming infrastructure uh, really uh, helps uh, communities uh, leverage and use a muscle that allows them to think about um, how to deal with things that come their way as a community. So uh, being able to think about co-creation, being able to think about ways in which um, you can lay out your, your planning process to include different voices, different perspectives to respond to the changing demographics of your community. Those, those kinds of um, uh, tools and programs um, help communities be more resilient in the long term. Um, and if something happens in a community, um, there's already trust, there's already um, coalitions that are being built, um, and communities can rely on those to to think about what they want to their community to look like in the future. Um, and so we know that um, that's important to bring in um, different uh, sectors of a local community, from your municipalities to your libraries to your parks and rec centers, your nonprofit organizations, your chambers of commerce, and economic development agencies. And, um, and while it looks uh, different for each one of these sectors in terms of how immigrant inclusion and how they, they, they think about this work, um, that there are, I think, some general or universal frames that allow people to think about this uh, work. And the more we can get these uh, different sectors to, to start thinking about this work, the, the easier it is to, to, to deal with um, all of the uh, all the things that are happening in local communities and in particular to be able to to respond to changing demographics that's happening here in the United States, but we know all over the world in places like Australia and, uh, and in Mexico and so many other uh, countries um, around the world. I want to talk a little bit more about that. So we are, as you say, in an inflection point, we have demographic changes around the world, climate change and other social political factors are moving people all over the world in search for better opportunities. And at the same time, we are also being faced with, with pushback, with xenophobia at an alarming scale, again, all around the world. It is a global problem, right? Um, so you, talk, you talked a little bit about this um, in your previous answer, but why do you think it's so important to explicitly address immigrant experiences, immigrant cultural recognition in the planning, creating, and managing um, of public spaces? And... Considering that it is a very endemic solution 
that needs to be implemented, what would you say is the first global step that needs to happen in city levels around the world for immigrant inclusion in parks and public spaces to become a reality? Yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to kick us off and I'd love to also to hear from, from Carrie as well, from specifically from the TPL perspective. Um, you know, when we talk about welcoming America in our work, we talk about creating welcoming communities for everyone, including immigrants and refugees. And I think that that's an important distinction because we know that um, that it's important when you think about really creating a welcoming community that that it, it extends beyond immigrant uh, and refugees. We're talking about racial and gender identity and other kinds of of communities, uh, faith, different faith communities, right? And so, um, but for us, we know that, in particular for immigrants and refugees, that that it's important that we think about what does that mean, and it means that um, that there might be some additional barriers. And so, when we think about this work. From an equity perspective in particular, uh, it really is about um, those sort of basics about co-creating, about bringing those diverse voices, about having people who represent those different communities as part of those, all of the stages of of creating programs or designing uh, public spaces, for example. Uh, but it also, I think, in, in particular means um, how, do, how are you thinking about the, the, the specific barriers that communities face? And so in, the, in, in particular for immigrant folks, you can think about things like their, their cultures and where they're coming from, um, certainly their, their faith, uh, um, their, their language, uh, if there are any language barriers, um, things like um, how, you know, the political structures that they come from and how that could be different in, in their in their new environment. So being able to really, I think, think about it from that perspective is, is how we approach this work and why it's important to explicitly think about this work uh, as um, addressing some of the barriers to participation that are unique to the different topic areas and certainly the different communities that you're trying to, to incorporate. Um, and when you when you do that, you know you are um, creating more social cohesion in the community. Uh, you're creating an opportunity for cultural exchange and learning. Um, you are uh, really highlighting the economic and cultural contributions that that can have, um, and that in turn I think creates um, you know a sense of people wanting to to um, to visit your community or to be part of your community. Um, and it also, I think, um, showcases respect and empowerment for those communities as well and, and creates cultural uh, resiliency uh, around uh, your community. So I think that those are the reasons why it's um, it's so important. And, um, and in particular, as you mentioned, this is a global issue and we're uh, seeing, you know, rising xenophobia uh, and anti-immigrant sentiment. But at the same time, we are seeing uh, communities doubling down on this work and saying that, you know, there are there are ways that we can we can address this. Um, and there's lots of examples out there. And we're really excited to see Trust for Public Land and other sort of public spaces, it's institutions that work around public space really think about this uh, in a different perspective. And um, we're excited to uh, contribute some of the knowledges that we've been able to acquire from our work uh, with nonprofits and municipal governments in particular. Thank you, Daniel. I, I think you can see now why at the heart of On Common Ground is our collaboration with Welcoming America, because when we really do think about our public space system as an opportunity to shape an inclusive experience for everyone, including immigrants, it makes an inclusive community where everyone can thrive. And it's been really important to document and the common ground framework, how 
weaving the immigrant experience and cultural recognition into the fabric of the planning and the creation, the management of public spaces, that it's a really tangible and physical opportunity to affirm the identity of who we are in the United States of America, who we are in our local communities. It's also a recognition that I think is really important and potentially is new in the Common Ground framework that public spaces are not neutral backdrops. You know, they're not places where you drop in welcoming. They're vehicles, really potent vehicles for the opportunity to express yourself culturally um, and also to build the kinds of relationships that do chip away at things like polarization, isolation, tension, xenophobia, racism, oppression. So all, all the ways that we're really seeing these upticks and disconnection and violence and hatred are parks if they're programmed and operated intentionally around inclusion can actually mitigate factors like that head on. And when you think about the immigrant experience specifically, you know, we're, we're ensuring that the public space system also works for people who are coming from places where potentially the public space system operated differently, where there wasn't such a direct line to attend a community engagement event and vote on what you want to see and what you need in your community on priorities that you think are important. So in that sense, one of the things that the Common Ground Framework really calls out is the role of public spaces, but more specifically public space engagement as a really important part of practicing democracy and to, to think about democracy differently than just voting in elections, but also in the smaller experiences that we share every day with our neighbors, uh, collective decision-making, looking out for each other. Um, you know, when you, when you see an issue that uh, maybe isn't working so well or would benefit from the community getting involved, knowing what that first action is and how to organize, how to build a coalition. And within the Common Ground Framework, there's a case study on uh, Metal Park, a small neighborhood park in Wenatchee, Washington, um, which is located in the valley where the majority of America's apples and cherries or tree fruit is grown. And one of my favorite parts of the whole publication is really tracking the development, the design, the co-creation activities that occurred in this relatively small, relatively insignificant little park in eastern Washington that over years really developed new leaders and specifically leaders from the migrant farm worker community from the local latino community that really just got started with the park engagement process and during the covid 19 pandemic uh, during issues of wildfire relief really used their organizing and civic engagement muscle to address much bigger community-wide issues and that's really what we hope to see more of when we're advocating that people adopt the principles and the strategies that are published in the framework is that we not only think about designing really inclusive community engagement processes that are embedded in parks, but we think about parks as a launch pad 
for communities to really build that organizing and coalition building muscle that can be applied to so many other parts of their community. That is such an eloquent way um, to put it, and it gives so much power to parts and to communities. And I do want to talk a little bit more about the uh, the case study that is mentioned in the report. I found this so thrilling to read because, again, community building is not something that is done from one day to the next. And it is definitely not something that can be achieved simply through park design. So could you walk us through either this case study or maybe through some of Welcoming America's work as well, what this job entails, what, what this work entails in strengthening a community around a park and giving them those tools to shape the space around them the way that they want to see themselves represented beyond the boundaries of the park. Yeah, I think the the town of Wenatchee and our partners in South Wenatchee is a really important, really magical place where Trust for Public Land was privileged to work side by side with some amazing community members. And there also are a lot of lessons there that I think are generalizable to a lot of other communities in the United States. One is that South Wenatchee is the neighborhood within the broader city of Wenatchee that is the lowest income, that is the densest, that is the most ethnically diverse. And in the description of that neighborhood, um, it almost always is described in terms of the things it doesn't have or in terms of its resource gaps. And the same was true for its park investments and its park system that the sort of academic institutions locally, political institutions locally, even healthcare would really talk about the neighborhood of South Wenatchee as being park poor or a park desert. And it was really interesting to begin conversations with local community members about public space because they really didn't describe their own community in that context. And on day one, working in South Wenatchee and working with community leaders who had ideas about Metal Park, there was a lot of strength and pride in what people really loved about their work in local orchards and, and packing houses and what they loved about their, their culture, their families, their children. And I think the, the reason that the project was so successful is that at every step of the way, when we we're having conversations about how Metal Park, how this you know one acre neighborhood space could be improved, it was always rooted or anchored in what people were really proud of. So that's why when you visit Metal Park today, you'll really see a park that looks different than neighborhood parks that you might see in other communities. And it's also why you'll see that the park is almost always full. And the kinds of activities that you'll see when you go there are, are really connected directly to the identity and the culture of the mostly Mexican-American immigrants uh, who live nearby. So you'll see a lot of ballet folklorico, you'll see a lot of soccer, you'll see a lot of cookouts, uh, families gathering, and that's why we really think about the um, potential to take a similar process 
that looks at the strengths of a community, the points of pride as the early levers for a successful engagement process that both get people involved at the beginning, but also build that organizing muscle. So, you know, as happened in, in Wenatchee, um, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the community really needed to rally together to get information out quickly to make sure that resources that were coming in from out of town reach the intended beneficiaries. And the same leaders who really spearheaded the park design locally um, were leaders who worked with different institutions like the local hospital district, like the State Department of Health, um, and were, were really ready to jump in and organize um, when there are priorities beyond the park that were important to the community. Daniel? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, Carrie did a really good job of thinking about, um, you know, the, the ways in which this work shows up for for, for parks and regs. I think, too, what, what's important in terms of of this work uh, and how sort of we're approaching this is that, um, yeah, where are those places where um, parks and recs uh, departments can think more expansively about the kinds of partners that they can work with, uh, not only for their outreach and their co-creation process, but also I think in terms of resourcing this work and really thinking about the ways in which they can leverage um, those other actors. Um, and so it's important as, as we think about this work, when, when we when we work with communities, uh, we've, we've done a lot of what we call strategic planning or, or welcoming plans with, with different communities through our Gateways for Growth program. And so it's, it's a very similar process, but you bring together different multi-sector coalition, uh, you do focus groups, you interview people, you sort of think through what are the challenges, what are the resources, and how can you create a a strategic plan that enables you to grow in this space. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, it takes intentionality, and it takes resources. And I think uh, for us, it's important too, to be able to make those connections to community foundation partners or to municipalities to say like, it's, it is important to invest in these kinds of, um, of work and partnerships. And that um, and that here, we're, we're starting to see the ways in which this can become really real for communities. Um, and the more we are able to uh, bring up these uh, these these cases and, and turn these case studies into uh, real tangible uh, ways in which parks and rec and public spaces in general are creating community, are creating community power, are really um, you know contributing to the the entire well-being of a of a local community. The more that we can get more parks and rec departments to engage in this work, but also bring in some partners that can help. Uh, resources work and then also make sure that the right uh, folks or as big of a table that we can have of folks um, are part of that co-creation process as well. That is fantastic. Now we are unfortunately running out of time, but I want to know with this report out, what are the next steps? What should we expect? Or I guess what, what should we push for based on the outcomes of the Common Ground Framework? So what's next? The, um, the Common Ground Framework for Trust for Public Land is really cementing lessons that we've developed over time through our field offices. It's synthesizing what the academic literature tells us about relationship building, about placemaking, about power building. And it also gives us a, a clear roadmap for what's ahead. So, you know, we're so excited right now to be working with Welcoming America to support communities across the country 
in leading nine pilot projects that are putting the strategies in action in different types of communities that are really leveraging their community programs within parks to respond to a lot of different kinds of issues. So this summer we're in testing mode and learning mode where we're working with primarily small and mid-sized cities in the center of the country to really test out how these strategies are responding to community priorities in real time. And then later in the year, we're gonna publish what we learn and we're gonna to continue to convene additional partners so that as both we learn how the community programs embedded in America's parks can be optimized to serve as true social infrastructure, that we're also getting that information out to park practitioners in a really practical way so that they can put that information to use. So the Common Ground Framework is really serving as the bedrock for some future programs like Communities of Practice, where park practitioners will be able to join, participate in training and education programs. And it also gives us a clear roadmap to do additional research and generate additional evidence that's missing so that communities can really target their investments, know how to evaluate those investments and things like community engagement better and form things like um, more standard policies and, and templates for action that as one community figures it out, uh, it's easy to, to share those lessons, to share those standards of practice with other communities so that they can model their future public space engagement work on case studies that, that really have demonstrated strong success. And, you know, finally, I think what's next hopefully is a lot more work with Welcoming America because I, I definitely see how integral the, the practice of inclusion, belonging, and welcoming that Welcoming America is leading across the country really is taking shape in our park system. And honestly, I think we're just getting started. Yeah, I think from Welcoming America's perspective, we're excited to be part of this project with TPL uh, and get those learnings out to the field and um, hopefully uh, inspire more parks and rec departments to get involved in this work, but also um, for other entities, particularly municipalities, to think about the power um, that's right there in their own communities and how they can um, support that work and, and expand it. Perfect. Well, thank you again to both of you for, for joining us. Where can people find your work? Where can people find the work of Trust for Public Land, of Welcoming America? Where can people read the full report? So you can find Trust for Public Land online, tpl.org, and you can access the report at tpl.org backslash community. And for Welcoming America, you can um, go to Welcoming America dot org and um we have lots of information there so feel free to uh, to look through that we have a library of resources for folks if you want to read more about some of the tools that we have out there um and then certainly uh encourage folks to um to see if there are any welcoming week events that are happening in your community september is uh september um, 8th through the 17th is welcoming week this year and um yeah we're we're excited Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. We hope to have you back. This has been Pod Parks, and thank you. We hope to see you very soon. Thanks so much.
this is the end of today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to keep up with the newest findings of the world of parks. Now, I've taken the time to attach both the reports and the links we discussed today in the episode notes. Find more international park programs by visiting worldurbanparks.org. Do you have any experiences where parks have empowered you and your community? Share them with us by writing a review on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week. Pod Parks is written and hosted by Alice Landon, produced by Vittoria Martin and Luis Romano. Sound engineering by Vladimir Yanis. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our community has for you. Get out, explore, connect.